once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Episode 314 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, April 20th, 2017 via Facebook Live. And available for download or streaming on Monday, April 24th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everyone. All right, Tony, let's jump in. Tell us what we've got this week. This week, we're trekking out why CBS won't commit to a release date for Discovery, and there's a new Star Trek musical available to watch online. In Star Trek Online news, it's the launch of Season 13 on PC. Executive producer Steven Rocosa reacts to the launch of Season 12 on console. And one cosplayer has brought Star Trek Online to TV on Sci-Fi's Cosplay Melee. Later, Jace is here with another Treklet 101. And of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, you know we love to keep the conversation going, and we love to hear from you. So reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters that make this show possible from week to week. Because of your support, the servers stay on, the power keeps flowing, and the team keeps producing. Please help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. And just before we start the show, a little reminder again that we're always looking for members of the Priority One listener community to join the team and help contribute to our little corner of the galaxy. We're currently looking for audio editors and writers for our blog. If you think you might be interested, shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. we are reminded once again that Discovery is not beholden to any specific release date. In an interview with Vulture.com, president of CBS Interactive, Mark DeBovlaz, the man in charge of CBS All Access, goes into depth and answers some hard questions regarding the streaming service. For instance, Venture Straight Up asked DeBovlaz, what's the point when CBS is already free in most areas of the country? His reply, quote, 45 million people have Netflix and clearly many of them have cable also. The same thing with Hulu and HBO and Showtime and Stars. So our view is that we have a shot to be in that area, that bucket of things. CBS All Access was essentially part of our answer to not joining Hulu with our first-run content, end quote. When asked about a release date for Star Trek Discovery, Deba Vaz replied, quote, As you said, we're not tied to any specific release date. It'll be there when we're ready to do it, and we feel like it's in a great place. We're not worried about anything else. We're excited, and we'll have more specifics as we get closer to what will be the likely release dates, End quote. And even with a fall release date follow-up question, he replied, quote, we're not stating. End quote. So there's a lot of really fascinating insight into the thought process fueling CBS All Access, and we encourage you to read the entire interview. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. Well, uh, there was one little Trek nugget that, that we didn't point out in, in that 
little discussion of what was going on. So there's a section where he is asked about the... The question isn't about his numbers, but he answers numbers, and he says... I think our goal of getting to 4 million subscribers by 2020 is a very reasonable goal for the percentage of audience we think will pay. I mean, there are 100 million cable television households and 118 million overall television households. We're literally talking about less than 4% coming in to subscribe our hit goal by 2020. Now, I think that's a very low goal, and I'm not an industry leader, expert, I don't know. It feels very low, and it it feels to me like that putting something like Star Trek Discovery as a flagship show on this network exclusively that they think is only going to hit 4% of total television households in the United States is kind of low. Well, so in the United States, but yet Star Trek Discovery is going to be on Netflix globally, so they're also getting the income from there. Okay, so... This is what I think. This the that leads into what really struck me in this uh, in this uh, interview here is that they re- referenced their current show, uh, The Good Fight, which is a spinoff of The Good Wife. Right? It already had a an audience. People are already familiar with the sort of the uh, fictional world it lives in, and it brought you know viewers into uh, CBS All Access. Right? So it kind of. It kind of they're experimenting with the idea of an established IP bringing viewers into a subscription program, and where you can't get the content anyplace else legally. All right, so they're kind of experiencing. And so they've got some. They have some raw numbers. They have some idea of the power of of their ability to draw an audience with an IP, an established IP. And here, what they're saying is, not only these low numbers Ken is talking about, but also what they're saying is, well, we're doing shows that you couldn't put on broadcast TV. They wouldn't work. Which is something, Kenna, I believe you discussed a few weeks ago. Is that you were you were like, well, what do you mean it doesn't work on TV? There are plenty of other sci-fi shows that work on TV. Star Trek... Yeah, this is a point that Elijah makes on a regular yeah, basis. Star Trek always yeah. works on TV because it that's where it's always lived. That's where it's always had its most success. And so what are that what are they doing with this version that it couldn't Make it on television. That I mean, it's a it's a foregone conclusion that it wouldn't make it on television. They're doing they're doing exactly what a company like Creation is doing. They're taking advantage of an existing audience and a passionate fan base that, that that's like, all right, you know what? This is all I can get right now. You know, I they're look at those Star Wars people and the Marvel people, man. They're getting everything. I'm gonna have to. I, I got if, to get my fix. I'm gonna have to cough up money. That's that's what they're betting on. Right, because when you hear executives say things like "sci-fi doesn't work on television," it just makes you wonder who's in charge. Now, one point that I wanted to make was regarding the very evasive answer to the Star Trek Discovery release date. I, I, I don't think it's coincidental that last week one of the headlining news articles in the industry was the imminent writer strike that could be coming in May. I think that. At, with that in mind, we as Trekkie should be prepared to not see Star Trek Discovery hit our television screens or computer screens in the fall. And the thing is that that could be a very good thing. I hate to say it. hate the delay. But if there is a writer's strike, far, far better to wait and do it after 
than to try and push something out now and then get caught up in all of that drama and then and then not give it a fair chance. You know what? I and I I wholeheartedly agree. With a writer strike, a production like Star Trek Discovery doesn't have to suffer the way a series like Heroes did because they can just say, "Yeah, we're just going to hold off for a bit." Whether it's November, whether it's the fall, I agree with you, Kenneth. This is the reason to hold back the new Star Trek series. But it's hard for me to think positively about this when we've already had so much happen in the development of Star Trek Discovery. But I agree. I agree that if the writer strike happens, their best bet is to hold off Discovery until they can get back into the swing it, of things. It'll be, it'll be November regardless. They're, they're missing the May sweeps. The, pri- the pilot's got to be on in a, in a time that they're going to catch a lot of new eyes. Star Trek will attract eyeballs, even if it's just for the first show. They'll wait. They'll hold it to November. I, they don't have to. It doesn't have to be November. It could be. It, it could, could be very well be a spring. It could be yeah, May twenty eighteen. Well yeah, it could be May twenty eighteen. Sure. Right, because because at that point you have shows like Walking Dead that stop. Right, so there's a cycle. There's this new cycle of of seasons now. Right, we're not. We're really not beholden to a fall schedule anymore, because you have shows like Walking Dead that go from the fall to the first part to, to spring essentially to, to just when spring breaks and then you have the summer season and again people are still clamoring for for shows and then summer season rolls around and you've got a show like stranger things a sleeper hit that happened over the summer so we're not beholden to these 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 timelines anymore interesting you're treating it more like a movie release schedule interesting yeah pretty much yeah so whether or not you do a pilot you know, on on air or not, what what they have to bump? They have to bump uh, Big Bang Theory, you know, or, or something for. Well, for just no, you one always night. have those shows. You Big always have wolf. those shows that sort of like can't get canceled. Like they launch in September or whatever, and they have really crappy ratings, get canceled mid season. This is one of the, this is a show that you drop in there. This is an hour of TV you drop in there to take the place of a canceled pilot that just didn't go anywhere. I really do think that they're gonna that they're still gonna hold on to that traditional TV hook but again that sort of begs the question what are they doing with this show that it couldn't make it on tv if that's still the plan to release the pilot on broadcast television for free then clearly it's a show you think is going to attract a tv audience of some kind why do you have to hide it and the answer is in his last little paragraph here quote you're fighting a little bit more for that premium attention end quote i mean he this is like you want to unlock the premium content. Yeah, you're a Star Trek fan. You go to the convention. You know, you play Star Trek online. You you bought a uniform from a Novos. Um, you have you have Star Trek slippers. You have Star Trek slippers. Visual visual aid. Okay, Star Trek slippers. Okay. <laughs> so you got you got all the stuff, right? But are do you have an extra six bucks a month for for this for this new show? And it's a premium. You're you know show your super fan. Well, and I, and I think that the numbers that he gave really give an indication of how low they're expecting the viewership to be, because if they expect by 2020, which is three years from now, they're going to have four million subscribers, that means only, and only a fraction of those people are going to be a Star Trek audience, because some people will be tuning in for other shows. So you're talking they're expecting in three years' time an absolute max of four million people watching Star Trek, which I feel... Is is on the low side for what the potential is. Um, Tony, are you up to speed on the Expanse? Oh yeah. So you've you've watched. Oh, your yeah. up Your okay. Would you consider Expanse to be intelligent sci-fi to the to the level of a Battlestar Galactica or 
a yeah. Star Trek. And the reason I bring that up is because Ken Ray writes, smart sci-fi dies regularly on television. Sometimes it works, but today's network audience is much less patient and forgiving and much less interested in intelligent content. Where does The Expanse fit into that? I'll I'll hold up I'll hold up the expanse and say this is this you really ought to try watching it. Number one, it's it is a good show. It's very well produced. The acting is really well done. Sets are beautiful. Special effects are great. It's just good. The craft is is well done. The story comes from a series of novels, and I've read all but the most recent one. And it's it's got a great through line as far as the whole morality of you know, humans interacting with technology and trying to get away from our warlock warlike past. It's got all the usual sci-fi tropes of the evil big corporations and the scrappy little miners out there trying to make their living in a tough world. I mean, it's got all the usual trappings of the space opera type stuff, and it's really well executed. The plots are pretty believable. People act like real people. And it's it, it tells a good yarn, uh, with with good characters and uh, and a and a good plot line. And I think and I really would put the expanse up there. It's, it's sci-fi for a long time. I've been looking for the next Battlestar Galactica. I think they've kind of found it with the expanse. And I would put that up there as an example of yes, you can do good sci-fi on TV. You could you can have long story arcs because this this expanse. It's so far it's a six novel you know, story. And they're following the novel pretty, pretty religiously. Not, not, not a hundred percent, but pretty close. And it's, it's really, it's a good story and it's a good yarn. Uh, just a good, you know, swashbuckling yarn. I just want to add in. I'm sorry if this is slightly non sequitur. I was just very quickly looking up viewership figures for The Expanse, and then also conversely for This Is Us, which is, you know, a, a pretty, pretty popular show that's kind of dominating ratings at the minute. So. These for the expanse, the season two ratings hover at at the highest point are about uh, seven hundred thousand per episode. So that's what the expanse is getting. And Forbes reported this is us was its largest audience was nearly thirteen million viewers. So to to it's just to give a, a feel for if they're. They're, they're taking a fraction of four million in three years' time. They're expecting Star Trek to perform more like The Expanse and less like a, a flagship show. Right, but they're expecting it to be a multiple of what The Expanse does because of the established IP. Expanse, it's an, it's a, there are many sci-fi novels that never get made into uh, TV or movies. So I think Expanse may be a little, uh, maybe a different animal in some ways, but. They're making, like I said, a high-quality show, good special effects, good sets, good acting, uh, good story plot line. They're making good TV, and they're getting 700,000 people to watch it per episode, and they just ordered the third season. Yeah, but that's that's where I'm making my point, that I think CBS is lowballing their expectation for what Star Trek Discovery could do uh, because of that 4 million cap that they're kind of heading towards. It, it, that's five times the number of people that watch The Expanse, and, I would, and they'll be hard... They'll be hard-pressed to improve upon, like, the basics, right? I mean, production quality, acting quality, all that kind of stuff. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be hard-pressed to sort of, you know, beat the mark that Expanse is set right now. Because I think that's the one to beat. I think they're the one, they're, they're the sci-fi show, the, the most recent modern sci-fi show. that they, they need to look at that show and go, we need to be better than that. We need to, you know, top that mark. So, long story short... 
we may not get Star Trek Discovery until who knows when. Maybe 2020. We never know. In the meantime, we will continue to cover whatever developments happen with Star Trek Discovery. How about we talk about something a little happier? Yes, I think that's a very, very good idea because I'm kind of depressed and I would like to not be. So in lighter, more happy news, there is an actual fully produced, wait for it, Star Trek musical, which I know know, Elijah is so happy about. Now, this originally premiered at Caltech back in March of 2016, but you can now watch the entire production for free on YouTube. This full-length musical production is just over two hours long and features 19 original songs by Cole and Grant Remen. Hashtag viewing party! Yes. Yeah. And first of all, I wrote that hashtag. Yeah. That was all me. This <laughs> well, was all my writing. Well done. Uh, Kenna, well executed. Thank you. Uh, because hashtag viewing party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We could totally do it, and I plan, and we're gonna tweet it out, and we'll do a viewing party of this of this musical. It's free, and it's and it's not, you know, all we're doing is syncing up the viewing party with a, a free app that's online. Uh, so we can totally watch it all together and bask in its glory. I am super excited. Anybody who has spent more than three hours with me knows that I will break out in song. Anybody who's what? Yes, we all know that. Anybody who's listened to one episode of the show (laughs) will know. Right, right. So... So it could be at it could be at a convention, it could be at dinner, it could be at a movie theater. I will break out in song and not have a problem with it. So you better believe that I have already reached out to you know I've already kind of put feelers out to local local my local colleagues to put this show on at my local theater. It's on somebody's radar. I'm gonna do it. I'm you gonna, gonna be the Klingon, or are you gonna try for the Captain Kirk role? I don't know. I haven't watched the whole musical yet. I caught the first number. Um, and that's why I want to do the viewing party. I think we should all watch it together. I think it'll be super fun and super exciting. Uh, and then I can take notes, directorial, stage. You're gunning for the director's chair. Notes. Forget this <laughs> acting crap. I'm gunning for, yeah, I'm directing oh, the show. Oh, okay, okay. I'm going to direct there the show. There you go. So, so, yes, yes, yes. I am, this, this got me <gasps> super excited. Elijah, we should, we just, we'll put it on in Vegas. Uh, people can pay us $30 instead brilliant. of the TNG panel. Brilliant. <laughs> that is brilliant. Kenna, that's brilliant. That Boy, we've brilliant. got two months yeah, to prepare, guys. Here we go. It's like Puppet Stroke Manhattan. Excerpts from <laughs> Star Trek the musical. Get your throat coat and start warming up your voice. <laughs> Look, I've put on shows. i put on full, full-length shows in under a month. We can totally do this. Even if it's just excerpts. If it's excerpts of, of this 19... Original song production. It's you know full two hours. We don't have to do the whole show. Oh man, we should totally do it. That's a great idea, Kenna. It's a great idea. So yeah, uh, and lastly, in super cute news, love might have blossomed on the Enterprise as Chris Pine and Sophia Botella have been seen giving each other doe eyes and loving up on one another during the Coachella Music Festival. And uh, I haven't seen pictures, but they are super adorable. I have seen lots of pictures actually where she's she's. Uh, sent out a picture on Instagram where she's basically it's hashtag bestie and all that kind of stuff. It's really adorable. oh my, where that hand is? No, not bestie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not well. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. When they were doing their dub smashes, I loved hers where she's doing like I'm a maniac. Oh yeah, the dancing maniac, and she's dancing in the desert. That was that was really. I cool. think we now know what happened to Carol Marcus. Goodbye. Goodbye. Model, you're moving up to plan B right here. So good for them. I'm happy that uh, that's cute. That's really cute. 
I hope I hope it's not a one of those fleeting backstage romances that kind of just happen and just fizzles out. You know, I hope they. Chris Pine seems like a, like a genuine guy. Like when you watch him in interviews, he just seems kind of genuine. And, and Sophia is so talented and 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 and, and such a classy woman. I, you know, it'd be nice. It, it, they seem to be trying to keep this private, so maybe maybe it's legit. Maybe this is not just a, a on on stage backstage romance. Hey, Winters. Yes. Remember when we used to do a Star Trek podcast? I remember. I remember when we used to do a Star Trek podcast. This is a Star Trek podcast. This is this is Chris Pine and Sophia. They were in Star Trek Beyond. This I have an important. idea. This is totes important. Now let's find out what happened in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News. This week is the launch of Season 13 Escalation on PC, and we've got a few of the last little details to tell you about. But first, a little reflection from Stephen Salami Inferno Ricosa regarding the recent launch of Season 12 Reckoning on console. Last week saw Season 12 Reckoning hit Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Some of you may have noticed that console content seems to be catching up to PC seven months after the original launch. Quote, With the release of Season 12, you'll notice that content is coming out sooner and sooner on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Soon, you won't have to wait long at all to enjoy all of the great new content that comes out every month for Star Trek Online. I'm incredibly excited to see that we've achieved that goal and will continue to bring fresh content and updates into the console space for free. There are some fantastic times ahead for Trek fans everywhere, and it's a great time to jump into Star Trek Online and get in on the adventure. End quote. Moving forward, it will be interesting to see whether the delays in content that we've seen will still take as long to go from PC to console. Now, interestingly, we were explained way back when that one of the prime reasons for delays were the result of QA and release processes with respect to consoles. Apparently, they're in a groove. And we're starting to see content move to console much faster. For reference, Season 12 launched on PC on the 2nd of February, which means it was a whopping 10 weeks of a delay. However, that's less than what we'd initially expect, which was more like three months. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very curious to find out whether going forward we're going we're gonna to see it settle into a regular schedule. Because so far, it's been very, you know, uh, it'll be... So a, a launch of something, and then they'll put out, you know, a whole bunch of other, uh, you know, the reputations came out out of order, the content came in out of order, but apparently it's now up to speed, and we should be seeing it basically on a regular schedule. So where season thirteen is coming out now on PC, we should expect to see it on console in let's see May, June, in July. Well, it's always going to be a little delayed because of the quality control whatever verification process that Sony and Microsoft have to go through. So they don't want to hold back a PC update to let Microsoft and Sony catch up. I think that's something Al brought up when we talked to him before the console launch, is that they're, they're not going to hold back on PC uh, to, to, for that. So it's always going to be a little bit delayed. So if, if it's 30 days for Microsoft and Sony to sort their end out, that would probably be the minimum you'd expect it to, to go once they're perfectly on the groove, but I think maybe two months might be more realistic once they finally get it, you know, nailed down. 
Well, moving on to PC now, and the last couple of tidbits about Season 13 Escalation. Assuming, of course, that you're not listening to this as you're playing it, since remember, Season 13 launches Tuesday, April 25th. There's a new featured episode coming out this week entitled Mirrors and Smoke. It picks up where Of Signs and Portents left off in the New Frontiers story arc. We're back with Administrator Kumark as we try and stop the Zenkethi from using the protomatter device as a weapon of mass destruction. We are led to the Gonkra Nebula, which we already know from the Zenkethi Space Battle Zone, and Administrator Kumark thinks that it would be an awfully good place to hide something. Now, according to the announcement on the Star Trek Online website, we can expect to, quote, discover the secrets of the Gonkra Nebula, end quote. I personally am hoping for some Wrath of Khan-like nebula shenanigans in this episode, but to save face with those of you listening after already playing it, I will say no more. The featured episode Mirrors in Smoke is available to Captains Level 10 and up, and Romulans must have selected a faction before they can play the mission. You know that's where they're going. I hope so. Well, that no, it is know, a little uh, weird. Come on, the proto matter yeah, yeah, weapon. It is weird because we've already been in the Gonkra Nebula because that's the Zenkethi battle zone. So I'm not, I'm not quite clear on exactly how this is all going to work, but some sort of that. Well, because you know, the Wrath of Khan was inspired by submarine warfare. It'd be kind of fun to okay, do sort oh, of yeah. uh, ripped off. Well, I'm not sure that submarines actually do that, but you know, they. It would be interesting to see that kind of puzzly intriguey feel going into some kind of action that takes place inside a nebula could be cool we'll have to go we'll have to see we gotta like like a pool like so if someone says someone needs to think and uh if someone's experienced intelligent not experienced or if uh their pattern indicates two-dimensional thinking uh or if uh, we have to if we're gonna go in the nebula we'll lose them you know i mean we need to like hit all these these wrath of khan mutara nebula things uh, and then see how many of the, the touchstones they call back, because I'm betting like like a dozen, because I, I think they're gonna they're gonna really they're gonna do that one. Come on, it's a proto matter weapon. Is there's a nebula? But you know, Tony. Like a lot of our listeners are probably gonna be listening to this either during or immediately after playing this episode. And the more we say, the dumber we look. I look dumb all the time. Why do you think I have this beard? <laughs> I, it covers up most of my dumb looking face. This is exactly so. And besides, this is a, a, an audio podcast. All I risk is sounding dumb. And I have a wife and kids that tell me that all the time. So it, it's, not, it's not a big deal to me. Nothing, no problem. It's okay. I remind you all the time. Yeah, you just see. I get it all the time. It's okay. A third war game scenario has also been announced for the Season 13 launch. Twin Tribulations joins Binary Circuit and Core Assault in the new competitive PvE system. Like Binary Circuit, Twin Tribulations is a 5-on-5 gauntlet-class scenario, which means the teams race against each other to solve puzzles and defeat enemies, but there is no head-to-head combat. On the Star Trek Online website, a statement from Ryan Levitt, staff content designer, said, quote, Twin Tribulations puts two squads of captains in a race to be the first team to reach the finish line in a hollow-constructed version of the station in the Omega Leonis system. Various Alliance enemies will be hollow-represented within the scenario to practice solving challenges under duress End quote. Twin Tribulations will be available as a normal, advanced, or elite queue and will reward marks, dilithium, and R&D materials. Well, that brings us to this week's community question. What are your first impressions of the new competitive war games? Which is your favorite, and what could be improved? If you're a fan of learning about the in-universe history of Star Trek Online, you may be interested in a new account that's just hit the Twitterverse. Run by Thomas the Cryptic Cat Maroney... 
Jace's Navy Interstellar is an immersive look into the history, politics, and, of course, starships of Star Trek Online. Originating as a PDF magazine in 2016, which supported the release of the Tier 6 flagships, it's now been reborn as a Twitter account, building on the excellent response to the inaugural edition. For the uninitiated, Jace's Navy Interstellar is a riff on the magazine Jane's Navy International, which features stories about all aspects of naval operations, including technology and procurement issues that might affect maritime security. The most recent story on Jace's Twitter feed details the surrender of several Romulan Empire ships to the Romulan Republic after the imprisonment of former Empress Sela, and whether any of the ships are likely to be equipped with adapted Borg technology. While fictional in nature, the updates are keeping with the canon of Star Trek Online and the larger Star Trek multiverse. And the bio itself states that it's, quote, canon, if you want it to be, end quote. Jace's Navy Interstellar is at twitter.com forward slash J-N-I update. And of course, we'll have a link in our show notes as well at priority1podcast.com forward slash P-O-3-1-4. Now, even if you're not a regular viewer of the sci-fi channel's Cosplay Melee, you will probably have heard the name Becca Noel this week. She's making waves among Star Trek Online players for name-checking the game in a recent episode entitled War Games. In this episode of the popular fashion challenge show, the contestants were challenged to create a cosplay outfit based on a video game. Noelle walked the show's runway in a futuristic long gown and silver wig, with a visor displaying moving digital pictures and an impressive armor and back piece combination. She enhanced the gown with lights, a move that was praised by the judges. In explaining her character, she said, quote, One is a character from the Star Trek Online universe. She's the first being that has ever created in the entire universe. And because of this, she's also tasked with creating life. And she is also in charge of destroying it if it so happens to threaten other life forms. End quote. If you'd like to watch the whole episode for yourself, it's available to watch on YouTube. We'll leave a link in our show notes. I have a question. <laughs> what does God need with a starship? Indeed. Right? This is her character, right? I'm not entirely sure. And in fact, when I saw the picture, I assumed it was based on the Iconians. But that's not really the uh, the, the description so much. So um, I, I just assume that it's uh, inspired by Star Trek Online. Yeah, I, I would like to see... I'd like to see somebody go into the Space Barbie program and, and see what, as close as they can get to this. Mm. I think it was mostly Iconian pieces. There's an armor that I've seen uh, people cosplaying. Uh, it's I, I I I don't know what game it is. Maybe it's from Mass Effect. It's the it's like N, it says NX on N7. the N seven Mass Effect N seven mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that's Mass yeah. Effect right. I totally want to recreate that armor, do that armor, but do a Starfleet uniform, like do the colors of a Starfleet uniform. So like maybe like black shoulder and then or red shoulder, black bottom, something like that. I I would totally do that armor as a Starfleet officer. Mm. You need to get on Cosplay Melee. Now it's time for a top tip. Why don't you give it to us, Winters? Last week I talked about bridge officer abilities, but this week I'm going to focus on a tactical bridge officer trait. Many players often find it hard to increase their crit chance and crit severity in space combat, but there is a very simple way that you can increase both of these stats. You can purchase from the Fleet Embassy special Romulan Bridge Officers that can increase your crit chance by 2% and your crit severity by 
If you travel to your fleet embassy and go to the Ops level, you'll find a console that has a list of available bridge officers that you can purchase. What you are looking for is a very special trait called Superior Romulan Operative. There is only one bridge officer in the entire list that has this trait, which is the rare, or blue, male tactical bridge officer. This buff costs 80,000 fleet credits and 17,000 dilithium. It should be noted that this bridge officer stacks, so if your ship has three tactical bridge officer stations, then you should have three of these Romulan bridge officers, or if it has two, then you should have two of these bridge officers, and so on. If your character is part of the Romulan faction, then you will not have to purchase these bridge officers from the Embassy. Instead, you can run the Romulan bridge officer recruitment DOF mission available from the command center on New Romulus, or you can purchase them straight off the exchange. It should be noted that this only works for the Romulan faction characters. If you are a Federation, KDF or TOS character, then you will not be able to use the Romulan bridge officers from the exchange. You'll have to visit the Fleet Embassy like I mentioned before. For more information, we will leave a link in the show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO314. That's it for this week's Star Trek Online News. Now over to Jace with another Trek Lit 101. Hello, Captains. This is Jace with the latest edition of Trek Lit 101. This time around, we will explore the post-beyond Kelvin timeline with IDW's Boldly Go. Set in the span between the destruction of the Enterprise and the completion of the refit at the end of the film. Previously, I covered the first issue of Beyond, which set the stage with Kirk's crew split up on temporary assignments to other ships, or in the case of Spock and Uhura, on temporary sabbatical to New Vulcan. The stunning end to that issue revealed the message sent from a mysterious ship that destroyed the USS Concord was, Resistance is futile. That said, the rest of this review will be spoiler heavy, so consider yourself warned. We pick up from there in issue number two, which opens with Sulu, who survived the carving up of the Concord saucer section because he was manning her battle bridge at the time, Captain's Orders, telling the tale of their encounter to Kirk on board the Endeavor. They pursue to the edge of the neutral zone, where the alien ship has attacked a Federation outpost, shades of TNG's episode The Neutral Zone. While they manage to halt the attack, the captain of the Concord beams on board, and a scene evocative of the first communication between Locutus and the Enterprise-D ensues. Unable to destroy what they now know are called the Borg, The Endeavor hesitates on the verge of the neutral zone as the sphere heads directly for Romulus. Issue 3 opens immediately thereafter, with Kirk and his senior staff debating whether to cross the neutral zone to aid the Romulans and continue their efforts to rescue the crew of the Concord. The plot thickens as Ahura and Spock arrive with a Vulcan battleship to assist and bring their own theories about the Borg incursion. As the Sphere attacks a Romulan colony, insisting they be given the Outlier, Spock and Ahura explain that Nero's Narada had much technology in common with these Borg, including an energy signal that they believe called out to the Borg when it arrived from the future of the Prime timeline. The crew make an attempt to reclaim the Concord crew during this Borg attack, but learn firsthand their defenses adapt. However, they do also confirm that their quest is for the Narada, but the issue closes with their narrow escape from hand-to-hand combat with the Borg, 
with Spock now in their clutches. Part 4 of the finale ups the ante as Spock fights assimilation and the Endeavor surrenders to Romulan forces to convince them of the truth that this attack was not initiated by the Federation. Together the warships race to Romulus, already under attack by the Sphere. Meanwhile, Spock's mental discipline and hybrid nature stymies the Borg, at least temporarily, even as they assail him with emotional scenes from his past, similar to those seen in the first reboot film. Ultimately, Spock breaks free in time to be beamed off once the Endeavor and the Romulan fleet punch through the Borg transporter distortion, and the sphere is destroyed from the inside using a stratagem from Into Darkness. The Romulans reluctantly permit the Endeavor and crew to depart, but not without a cost, and Spock shares his insights concerning the Borg hive mind, a somber warning concerning the need for future unity in the Alpha Quadrant. All in all, this was a rollicking first story arc to kick off Boldly Go, and I can't wait to see where they go next. Great continuity not only with Trek lore and callbacks to famous moments involving the Borg, but also by using the creative team of writer Mike Johnson and artist Tony Shastine, who both worked extensively on the previous ongoing Kelvin Timeline series. I was concerned that Boldly Go might radically change the tone and feel of these excellent comics, but the tighter arc focus so far is a great move in my opinion. While it does bring an old foe into the new timeline, which we saw several times in Ongoing, this time it's much less dependent on knowledge of specific prime timeline episodes than some of those ongoing stories were in my opinion. But that's all for this month's Treklet 101. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Again, a big thanks to Jace for this month's literary review. Now, Captains, it's time to open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 313's community question was, what are your thoughts on Star Trek Online's featured episode, Survivor? Well, we'd like to start our hails with an email from Fitz, who wanted to help settle a debate Elijah and I were having last week, or was it the week before? I think it was last week. Now, this email is very detailed and offers some awesome insights, but here's the gist of it. He says, I've been listening to your show since sometime before the Andorian ships first hit the sea store. I'm currently a member of the Air Reserve and also a United States Air Force active duty veteran. I would like to weigh in on the subject of Captain with a capital C versus Captain with a lowercase c and what the USAF's take is in accordance with the Air Force Handbook 33-337. The AFH-33-337, or tongue and quill, is the backbone of how the Air Force communicates in written form. Chapter 27, page 348, states... Well, long story short, Elijah was... Hang on a minute, who wrote this? Because it totally does not state that Elijah was right and I was wrong. It totally states that I was right. So we need to go back to the email. Oh, controversy. Oh, controversy. Here we go. It also doesn't state that I'm wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Here's what it says. No, No, I'm going to read it now. Military rank, medals, and awards. Capitalize military rank when it is used with a proper name, but not when it stands alone. Examples. Colonel, with a capital C, Larry D. Grant, and his secretary, Linda Wilson. The colonel is a lowercase c. We have 30 majors, lowercase m, and 26 lieutenant colonels, lowercase l, lowercase c. And she's a staff sergeant in the Air Force, lowercase s, 
lowercase s. So but it's still, I think it's still not it's still not addressing the way I address. Yeah. But there captives. are no names. It's not used with a proper name. It's standing alone. Yeah. And hang on. And, and let me and let, let me just step in right here. I my 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 service. Uh, my military service consisted of a bunch of semesters in the Army ROTC. Basically, all we learned to do was salute and call people by the right names. Okay, that's that, that's the extent of my military training. When you address a group of officers, regardless of rank, it's gentlemen or ladies and gentlemen or ladies if they happen to be all women. That's it's just that's that is you just but, that's it. It doesn't matter. So what you're saying what is we're is. doing it regard regardless doing of it how wrong, you're doing this. It's all wrong. It is oh. all wrong. Okay. So there all is right. no right answer. Okay. Here. Now here, no, hold on a second, because my captains are always capitalized and always should be capitalized because it's the start of a freaking sentence, and that's how we write sentences in America. You capitalize the first word of the sentence. But it isn't. Look above. Look at the script. It says, well, right captains. It says, well. Well, well be a is comma capitalized. There too. Missing a comma. <laughs> Missing a comma for another thing. Yeah. And lowercase so, uh, we? Like so have we, have we put it to bed now? Is that, that, that's it, isn't it? So basically I won. From Facebook, Jeff Vaughn wrote it. Survivor was a great mission. The set is nice, too. A must-play mission. Absolutely, Jeff. And from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy writes, Was I the only one that ran that mission once just going for it in the big distortion? Look carefully at the hand holding the crystal with the hologram, specifically the mesh slash skin. Kenna's flubs for the win. Thanks for all of the hard work, everyone, and welcome again, Dr. Hurt. From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell says three words. One (laughs) off missions. Do it, Cryptic. I want more standalone adventures in STO. Not everything needs to be a part of the long story arc where players fight off the latest big bad faction. Survivor works perfectly without having to tie into any other mission stuff. Well, besides Temporal Ambassador. I don't see a Brent Spiner VO happening for the foreseeable future, despite how awesome that would be. Belana Torres shows up at the beginning of Dust to Dust, but we still don't have any VO from Roxanne Dawson or other canon NPC cameos in-game like Q, Naomi Wildman, Echeb, etc. I bet they could get Echeb. Yeah, well, they can definitely get each They can get Naomi Wildman, I bet. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, Bolana Torres, they did that thing where they got a, they got around it because they actually used a clip from the episode that right, they were recreating, right. if you see what I mean. Yeah, the, the, the mission was more focused on Harry. There um, was a flashback that she yeah, appeared Yeah, it, it was just a flashback, so it, it's not really enough to go getting the actual actress to do the voiceover for one scene. And I get the sense that Roxana kind of doesn't want to do Star Trek anymore. Like, she very rarely attends a convention, if at all. She kind of wants to, like, move on. She's kind of like where Terry Farrell was a few years ago. Terry Farrell never showed up to a convention until recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Terry Farrell was in Ireland uh, for a thing here, like, three weeks ago. Hmm. Right. Via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Ray Borg chimes in. Maybe Cryptic could do crowdfunding for actors like Brent Spiner to voice their characters from, like, TNG, so it may not come from their gaming development budget. Always listening to your show. It's awesome. Thank you, Ray. You, sir, are awesome. And again, thank you for your contributions to the Priority One fleet. As always, they are very, very welcomed and appreciated. So, crowdfunding. Mm, I I think it'd be a hard ask, especially because they're already asking us for our money for Zen. Well, are they, though? Are they? Are they? It's a free-to-play game. 
right? Time is money, time yeah. currency. Tony, where, where you know, you are no the way. master of crowdfunded gaming. Yeah, no, debacles. no freaking way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that no, that absolutely not. I, there's, there, the cryptic would be high on the sort of like. Uh, deliverable scale, like this is something they could clearly accomplish. It's well within their uh, skill sets to get this done, right? It's not. It's not. It's like a low risk of failure if you hit the threshold. That's a very positive thing uh, that they have going for it. But as far as the um, sort of uh, uh, the gestalt, the sort of you know the, the the feeling of crowdfunding, the sort of you know esprit de corps you're trying to build, like, let's get this thing done. You don't get that with the company, you know. They're an established company. They've got a, a production budget. They can go ask for more money. They they pay for marketing and advertising. It, there's a low probability of success as far as getting that kind of uh, uh, activity. And they'd have to publish his fee. Yeah, they'd have to sort of give an idea about what they're paying him. And so so we can't. All right, so we can't do it with voiceover. But it's funny that you're saying that it wouldn't work with corporate. But we're talking about a Star Trek game, and we're talking about Star Trek fans. How would it? How well do you think it would work if they wanted to do it for a mobile application for Star Trek Online? Would you contribute no. No. to a crowdfunding campaign for a mobile app? Absolutely no, 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 because they should be able to raise that capital, <clears throat> and then I'll pay with my money in the app or not. Yeah, I mean, and th- because that's what crowdfunding is supposed to solve—a lack of access to capital. Yeah, per, you know, uh, this is just just this just makes me a little angry sometimes. You know, Perfect World was a public company. And they took themselves private. I actually owned a little stock in Perfect World, and then they said, you know what, you peons out there with your shares that aren't even really shares, take your money back, we don't want it. And so they bought everybody out. So, I mean, they clearly have no need for excess capital. They, they've, they've got what they need to, to, to run their ship. That's fine. And from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Eklinar says, Babylon 5 is fantastic, but you can't just watch a few random episodes or you'll have no idea what's going on and miss all the character development. It's a serial epic that tells a single story from beginning to end like Lord of the Rings, not episodic like Star Trek. The first season seems like a random episode, which sometimes aren't very good, but it's actually a 22-episode world-building prologue. Seasons 2 through 4 tell the main story, and Season 5 is the epilogue. I highly recommend Babylon 5 to any sci-fi fan who likes long serials and has the time to binge-watch 110 episodes. That's a big ask to sit through 22 episodes while they're building the world. It is. I mean... I don't think I missed all that much. There's the, you know, station commander who's, you know, kind of got a solid head on his shoulders and is trying to balance competing factions and save Earth. And then there's the security officer who's a little bit gruff and he's, you know, kind of, you know, beaten down by the world. But by God, he's going to give it his, his all, even though it's he's he may be a little bit on the down and dirty side. And then there's the executive officer who's just, you know, by the book and uh, always... Always, you know, trying to keep things on the straight and narrow, and doesn't really understand that you got to be flexible when you're on the frontier. And then there's all the dirty diplomats all around. All over. I mean, I think I get it, but I just never got into it. Mm-hmm. And I think this makes it why because I, I, 110 episodes at an hour a pop, it seems a little daunting. It's a lot. Well, that wraps up episode 314 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's our community question for the week. What are your first impressions of the new competitive war games? Which is your favorite and what could be improved? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us. 
via at Priority One Pod. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at GuardFrequency.com, covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, and with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to associate producer, Navy Boatslew. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. This week we are trekking out a controversial event that's just been announced for this year's Star Trek Las Vegas convention. It's literally, it's literally making him choke. The, the, this event has, is it's, literally making yeah, him choke. This week we're trekking out a controversial event that's just been announced for this year's Star Tress. Star Tress. Captains, you know we love. Jeez. <laughs> Some capitals. <laughs> we're on facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast we're on twitter at priority one podcast Shh, come on man that's got kenna all over it <laughs> we're on facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast we're on twitter at priority <laughs> priority one pod we're on twitter at priority one pod you can even Please help us improve the show by considering a financial contribution via our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And boom. <laughs> you know why? Because I don't disrespect you and try to, f and try to, and try to mess you up. You know what? I don't intentionally try to get you to flub up. <laughs> yeah, Next week, put patronizing so in front of their thing, patronizing.com. That'll be hilarious. Yeah, 
In an interview with Vulture.com, president of CBS Interactive, Mark Debwavazi. <laughs> you want me to try that one? How do you say what, that? What do we think that one actually says? Debevoise? 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 No, I think I've heard this before. It's the 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 Boise. The Boise. The Boise. From the Idaho. It's it's true. From the from the Idaho. De Bevois. De Bevois. De Bevois. De President of CBS Interactive. No, no, get do it from in an interview, please. In an interview. Last week, I talked about bridge officer get abilities. Get a, get a little closer. I need you a little, just a little come, more. Come just in, a little more intimate. Coming come in closer, Winters. Just a, li- just a little, little more intimate. Closer. Just a little more intimate. All right. For, okay. Now, here, no, hold on a second. Because my captains are always capitalized and always should be capitalized because it's the start of a freaking sentence. And that's how we write sentences in America. Yeah, but you not capitalize a... the first word of the sentence. Yeah, but it isn't. Look above. Look at the script. It says, well, right captains. It says, well, well, well be a is comma capitalized. There too. Missing a comma. <laughs> Missing a comma for another thing. Yeah. And lowercase so, c. Uh, have we, like so have we, have we put it to bed now? Is that, that, that's it, isn't it? So basically I won. From Facebook, Jeff Vaughn voted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take it as a yes. <laughs> well, that wraps up episode 314. But before we go, that didn't sound right. Someone had zero jelly beans throughout this entire production. Someone, someone sat on their track nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go, here's a question for the week. <laughs> when you get to a certain age. All right, Kenna, before you stop, uh, can you please re-record Enemy Ship on Censors? Because it sounds absolutely absurd. I'm g- Enemy <laughs> Ship on Censors! I know, because I was laughing at the time. I will record and... it offline and I will upload it because it did not go well mm-hmm. last time. You're, you're going to forget. Can you do it now, please? Everybody hit stop. The rest of us hit stop.